All right, everyone, it's Mark and Annette with Karen Lode, And uh, boy, you know, we're, we're excited today. We, we've had a fun week off. We have had a fun week off, and it's uh, been one that we just, we needed a break. We needed some family time, and I needed some sunshine. <laughs> so we took the family and went down to St. George, Utah, and then went to uh, Zions National Park and and uh, and uh, Moab and uh, had some great time down there. But we're back and we're excited today because we have we have with us uh, Carrie Portel, and 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 Carrie has a unique story that we're going to be talking about in a second. But before we get into that, Annette and I have something exciting that we wanted to share with you with regards to kind of a little bit of a rebranding as to what we're doing with the name of this particular podcast. What you're going to find is that our podcast is going to be called The New Channel. The new title of our show is Trail Angels. And Carrie is the lucky one to to be our first with, with the Trail Angel branding powered by Karen the Load. But what we have found, um, and we were talking with, with Carrie with this a little bit before, is that people are confused at what a Karen is, the C-A-I-R-N, the stacked rocks that our listeners are familiar with because we talk about it so often in our followers. But others that are coming to find us are getting lost, and which plays right into trail angels and what a trail angel really is. And again, they are someone on the trail, on our journey, that will leave something for us. So it's so similar to a Karen. You're going to see the logo. It might get tweaked just a little bit, that icon. But it's there to help others recognize that they're not alone, that someone's been there before. And they truly are angels in our life. You know, last year I went on a, uh, a really fun hike in the Uinta Mountains in Utah with some friends. And uh, while we were there, about uh, 10 miles into our hike, our backpacking trip there, we, we found a little cache. And uh, in that cache were six Dr. Peppers. And uh, we were really excited to see that because we knew that someone had left it for us. And we were thirsty and uh, the water just wasn't going as far as we really wanted it to go. So that was a great uh, refreshment for us at the time. And we believe that the trail angels that we're going to have on our show uh, going forward are those that uh, can bring the relief to many of our listeners who are struggling with issues in their own lives. And so, once again, Carrie, you're the you're the first person to be one of our new trail angels, and we're excited to have you with us today. I'm happy to be the first one. Thank you. You're special. I mean, you are <laughs> special anyway, but you are really special. Now. <laughs> let me let me share with our listeners, if if I may, a little bit about to you, and I really want you to fill in the blanks. There's a lot of your story that I think is very important. And uh, the importance of the story is going to be more evident as we get into our podcast today. But Carrie is an advocate against distracted driving as well as being an advocate for farm safety. After surviving being hit by an impaired driver, Carrie has become a public speaker regarding uh, her recovery, the challenges that she endures, and how working as a disabled cattle farmer speaks and a speaker has given her purpose again. Now, you know, there, there's a lot just in those couple of sentences that we talked about uh, there as to what you're doing and, and the passions that you have there. You've been on a number of different uh, types of uh, speaking opportunities. You've been on different uh, podcasts. I know that, uh, you know, one, one of my 
channels that I listen to and, and, and watch is is a RFD sometimes. Uh, and not a lot of people know what RFD is. It's all about I, farming. I, I guessed. I may not have known, but, you know, I guessed it. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm a little bit of a closet farmer myself uh, there. We we own some property down in southeastern Utah, total John Wayne country. We we love going down there. And so when, when I read your bio and I did a little bit of research, both of us were, were going back and forth. We recognize that you're one of our kind of people. Oh, so, I love to hear that. So I, I know that there's a lot uh, there that I've missed. Maybe the best way we can start, Carrie, is maybe just you sharing your story. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's hard to put all of that in a nutshell, but uh, basically it started 10 years ago in December was when all of this just randomly happened that uh, my two middle children and I were driving to a neighboring town after I had uh, gotten off work. And just, you know, out of the blue at 620 in the evening on a Wednesday, we were hit by a drunk driver. And, you know, to, to think that something like that could happen um, on that day and time, you know, it's not something that I was prepared for when I left the house that evening. I mean, not even remotely. So um, it took us a long time to recover. It was uh, about six weeks, I guess, for my daughters to recover from their injuries but it was a full four years before my doctors finally said, okay, you know, we're just going to have to stop. There's nothing more that we can do right now, except just, just let you heal and, you know, maybe let you get back to living a little bit instead of just continuing to have all of these surgeries. And um, that's what it was like for four years was just surgery after surgery and then heal. And it, it was, it was like a, a limbo stage. I just, I just wanted to move on and start living again. And, um, I did have quite a few more surgeries after that four years, but it, there were times where I did get to feel that, Hey, I just get to live during this time. I get to be a normal mom, wife, um, you know, I guess new normal, if you would say, cause nothing was normal like it used to be, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty significant, um, ordeal that we went through. Yeah, I, I, I actually saw pictures of uh, the pins that are in your ankles or in your hips there and recognized that uh, that that wasn't just a, a quick injury that uh, healed. You were in a wheelchair for two years. Yeah, yeah. I full time pretty much for that that first two years until I was able to walk on my own. And um, even after that, I continued to be a part time wheelchair user. And I, I think more than anything, my determination to keep walking is the only reason why I am still walking. Because at this point, they told me, you know, within eight to 10 years, you will be full-time wheelchair. And I mean, I'm close. I, I take about 1,700 steps a day, which is not very much. And when you put cattle farmer in that title, I know people out there are going, okay, I don't understand this. I'm trying to envision you doing that as a cattle farmer, I mean, let alone how difficult it was to heal, to live again. I love that, you know, part, you just needed to live. And even though you were in the middle of this journey, which had been, you know, several years in doing the different surgeries and things, there's something to be said about living. Absolutely. In the midst of those challenges we can find ways to live, which helps us have the hope, I believe, to continue on that journey and that next level that you had to 
had to go through and reach. If you don't have hope, there's nothing to reach for. So, and for me, I'm a very goal oriented person. So I had to have something um, that I was working towards at all times. I, I am still like that because if you stop working towards something, then that's whenever people basically give up because there's nothing to look forward to. Right. You know, I, I was uh, reading your bio and, and uh, doing a little bit of uh, research on, on your life there. And, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the, the, the most important question I had for the day is, what's the difference between a cattle farmer and a cattle rancher? Oh, the people out west will tell you the difference. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If you're a cattle rancher, that means you have thousands upon thousands of acres. Um, that's that's what a rancher is. And I, I do not cross that line ever with ranchers because it's very territorial. Um, in Missouri, it is, it's very hard to find even a few hundred acres all, all in one tract. Um, so we're, we're traditionally traditionally called cattle farmers. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying that for me. (laughs) And and that makes sense. I'm thinking, okay, is she raising steers for me or is she doing the the milking part? Uh, You know, what, what uh, part of uh, that uh, do you do? So, so that makes a lot of sense, but getting back to, you know, the question that Annette asked you a minute ago, you know, I, I, I look at your life and and uh, the fact that you were able to go back to doing something that you enjoy versus acclimating to something that maybe you wouldn't have enjoyed as much. You could have probably sat down and uh, had some kind of an office job, sitting it in front of a computer, but that wasn't your passion. Was right, it, definitely would, not. Would you say that it was that uh, that that passion that drove you to being where you're at today? I, yeah, I would say passion drives me in everything. Um, that's just the kind of person that I am. I did try to go back to a normal job. Uh, like I think three times I tried and it just, the level of pain that I have every day, it just, it was not going to work. Um, and again, I know I'm confusing people. They're thinking cattle farming. Okay. That is a very high, you know, highly active, high energy type of career, but um, I had a lot of help from my physical therapist. And then I, I luckily got introduced to an organization through our, uh, like our agriculture extension, our university extension called AgriAbility that also helped me figure out how to continue cattle farming with the level of injuries that I had. And the whole purpose, um, actually, my physical therapist is the one who gave me the idea to just, just do cattle farming because cattle farming is physical therapy. So he just taught me how to do things on the farm. And then I didn't have to actually go in and see him as many times a week because he said, Carrie, you've got all this stuff on your farm. You can just do it there, but just be careful. Basically don't overdo it. And then I got to a point where my mind was still saying that I could do things that I did with my normal body. And my new body was not cooperating with my with what my mind said it could do. So then that's where agorability came in and they actually help people with all kinds of physical challenges on how to do things more ergonomically or luckily in my case there's special equipment that can help me. I love the the word ability here because we all have have challenges to degrees that 
changes our ability or how, you know, we have to approach certain things. Just your daily living as, as a mom, you had to change things. I'm, I'm, because how do you do that? Whether you have an autoimmune disease that people can't see it on the outside, on the outside, you look fine, but the inside, your body's wreaking havoc and it, and it limits the way that you do certain things. And so it comes down to, I believe you were, you were given a great gift in a therapist who helped you to see things in a different way that you would have that ability and in introducing you to an organization that helped you to even prolong that ability for a career. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I was very fortunate that I, I got the physical therapist that I did and I have, I have never been a um, like truly outspoken person or like a demanding person, but I was so terrified of anyone touching my legs at that point, because I mean, Mm. it would hurt if the fan blew air on my legs at that point. And Mm. I said, I want one physical therapist. I want the best that you have. And I don't want to deviate from that physical therapist because I want them to know my situation forwards and backwards. And fortunately they complied with me. I was so, so lucky. And I did at that point, I got the head of the physical therapy department. And later on, you know, you get to be so close to your physical therapist, especially as much as I was going. And he told me later on, he said, man, Carrie, that first day when you came in there, he said, you were so bad. He said, I sat there and thought, what, what am I going to do with her? I mean, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't bend. You couldn't move. You couldn't walk. I couldn't even like sit on an exercise ball without falling over. That's how bad I was. And I mean, just taking those little steps and him setting goals for me, he knew exactly what my personality needed to keep striving, you know, for that success. Wow. Carrie, let's, let's go back. Not that I want to dwell on the, on the accident itself here, but I think that there are some important things with regards to the accident that we should talk about. You've talked about the physical side of the accident. You've talked about uh, how, how debilitating to a degree for some time that was, and it continues to be for you as well today. But what about the emotional side of it? What about the, uh, the, the difficulty that you experienced emotionally? And, 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 I, and I'm asking that because I want to ask you in a moment, maybe a follow-up on that specific to forgiveness and, and uh, acceptance. You're trying to get to my feelings, aren't you? I, I, I am. But the reason why that's important, I think, Carrie, I, I, I see people, whether they're involved in an accident, whether they're part of, as Annette mentioned, maybe some kind of a disease or something else. There are ramifications and they're not just physical. And sometimes we don't see the other parts that uh, contribute to the way that we are and, and our ability to move forward from some of those situations. So you mean Carrie's a little bit like I am and we can put a smile on and. <laughs> you know, when you have a broken arm or a broken leg. It's hard to hide it. Yeah, you can see those. But but on the inside, I, I know that there are a lot of people that really hurt. Talk to us yeah. about the emotional part of what happened to you and your and your two girls. Yeah, absolutely. I feel every bit that the emotional 
part, the emotional pain was just as difficult to navigate as my physical pain because it was all consuming. And I, I had worked in the medical field prior to this and I took care of patients that were like me. And realistically, I knew that this could happen to me at any point in time, but you still just never think it's going to happen to you. You know, I was a great driver. I did everything correct all the time. And you just don't think about, okay, well, it's not just you, you have to worry about it's that other person who's crossing your path, you know, and um, just like they say in the movies, you know, it happens in a blink of an eye. And that is exactly how it Mm. happens. And afterwards, there, there is so much turmoil going on in your chest and you have all of these, these questions and you can't, there's no answers. There's no immediate answers. And the impaired driver that hit me, he, he passed away on impact. And I'm going to tell you that I, I know I didn't do anything wrong, but that weighed so heavily on my heart. And then of course I, I went with these questions of, well, why him and not me? What what did I do to deserve to live? And he didn't. And um, I, I do have a big faith in God. And my next question was, okay, I know you didn't leave me here without a purpose. So what is my purpose? And I mean, it just consumed my mind. And I didn't understand what this other feeling was that I had. And I finally figured out it's called survivor's guilt. And when I started like saying that out loud to a couple people, I mean, immediately I was like, I'm never talking about this again to anyone because they were like, what do you mean you have survivor's guilt? You didn't do anything wrong. You, 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 you know, it's him, him, him. And it didn't make me feel any better when they were saying those things. I'm still like, somebody died, guys. Somebody lost life. And I'm still here and I'm like, I'm all jumbled up about that. I understand that can be so painful. I've, I've had experiences in my life where I felt so bad that I, and I wanted to take on that. It was my fault, mm-hmm. even it's though I knew, I knew differently that it wasn't my fault with regards to some uh, abuse, I felt so bad. And it's that, it's that same kind of survivor's guilt that you play over and over. And logically we know better, but inside, inside here and inside our heart, it, it's so hard. It is so hard. It feels different than what you know is, is realistic. And and here you are, you were the caretaker of two children as well that went through a very traumatic experience. And so that that must have just been a very, very difficult time for all of you, your entire family. Yes, it was incredibly difficult. And I have to say it was probably most difficult on my husband because we have four children that are that are very close in age. And mom, mom just is mom, you know, she's the one that everybody goes to, and all of a sudden they were coming to me and I couldn't give them what they needed at that point. Cause one physically I wasn't able to, but mentally because of all the surgeries, anesthesia and narcotics that I was on, I didn't remember everything that we had talked about. I wouldn't remember things from two hours before they had talked to me. And 
that was that was really difficult for all of us um, to understand. And that was a whole another mom guilt. I mean, talk about how many different types of guilt a person can feel. That was another one on top of the list. So hard. And, and so here's another layer. Your husband has to heal, too. Right. Yes. Because right. even though it didn't physically happen to him in the accident, there's the layers that are going on that takes that healing and a different journey. Yeah, so- he, you know, he has his own journey, but he he refuses to speak about it. He says, I, I, I didn't have anything to buffer my memory like you did. Oh, I felt it all. I saw it all. I remember it all. And I don't want to go back there. Mm. So, Carrie, one of our focuses at Karen the Load, actually three of our focuses, is when you look at a Karen, those rocks duck on top of each other there, you'll recognize that uh, each of them, each of those rocks has something in common, that they support the rock underneath it. Uh, and and uh, when when you look at those rocks, we, we learned that uh, there are three points of contact. There's the uh, the, the physical side uh, or actually, when I say the three points of contact that they need in order to balance correctly, we, we've taken that three points of contact. And one of those uh, points of contact is physical. We've talked about physical. Another is emotional. We've talked about emotional here as well. And you brought up the fact that uh, your faith was very important to you. And that's our third component. That's our third point of contact with Karen the Load. Talk to us about your faith and why that was important to have that faith going through this experience. It was, it was more to me than I ever thought that it could be. I, I feel like I had a relationship with God before this, you know, I, I talked to them and or talked to him. And then we always talked to our kids about God and, and we went to church and did everything. But I feel like because I was going so fast in my life at that point that I had more of a superficial relationship with God and I don't know why it took something like this uh, to completely halt me and give up everything to him, but that's what it took. And I remember like a year before this happened, I kept asking God, I'm like, I need you to help me to figure out how to slow down. I need to slow down. I know I need to be paying more attention to these moments that are happening and that you're sending me to, you know, to me, but I'm just having a hard time slowing down. And after this happened, I had a pretty good conversation with him. It was a little bit sarcastic. And I said, I think you really <laughs> understood what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't our, you know, and, and we have a similar story as, as well in the fact, and we, and we can smile about it, but it was very difficult at the time. We, we lost a 21 year old son to the effects of a brain tumor. And while that happened 10 years ago, it's still very vivid in, a, in our minds, experiences that we went through. But we look back at things now and, and we recognize that while we'd love to have our son back, the things that we've learned during the last 10 years have been invaluable. They, I, we, we wouldn't trade those experiences that we've learned for anything. No, and I think when, you know, Carrie, you were talking about how it took this for you to really connect with God. Um, I think when we realize we can't fix it, we can't, there's no way for us, for you to have fixed on your own. Yeah. I and, couldn't. And we couldn't. And so 
that faith may be as small as it as it was for for me and in whether you know and where you were at we had to to nourish it and rely you know build that relationship with God and that's why we are here that's i really believe that's why you're there and here with us today on Karen the Lotus because you had to exercise that faith yeah and boy, he made me exercise it too. Yeah, because yeah. it's not just given. We really have to work at it and and exercise it. And and there's those times that I I feel like maybe you know I, I'm not alone in this. I hope I'm not alone in this. I sometimes have pity parties, and I can't allow it to last. You know, I acknowledge it, yeah. and hopefully it's it's not. You know, it's not longer than an you know a little an hour or a day at the most. But but those times come. But it reminds me and it helps me takes me back to okay. Right. You know, it, it's almost like a, keeping you humble in a sense is what I feel um, mm-hmm. because I I will get a little bit on my high horse every once in a while while I'm actually feeling good for a few days. And when I get knocked back, I'm like, mm, okay, mm-hmm. I hear you. I'm it's like, a- I, I, you're bringing me back to you because when I start to feel good for too many days in a row, I don't talk to you as much as I should. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it's, it. It's that balance again that we were talking about, you know, the, the emotional, the physical and the spiritual components there. And it seems like when we're off balance, just with one of those, our, our life begins to tilt and uh, things things don't go the way that we want them to go. So, Carrie, I I just wonder this for me. I had I had angels in my life that helped me to heal. You know, they helped they helped offer me strength. They helped lead me to God. They helped me, but they they were very much a part of my life, seen and unseen angels in my mm-hmm. life. And I couldn't have done it without them, without their love, without their encouragement and hope. And just recognizing that some had been through similar experiences, many had not, but they were there in a certain way to just offer that hope. Did you have angels in your life that helped you to over, you know, to deal with? This this opportunity you had to to become? Yeah, you're hitting a really big feeling right now. I can feel my eyelashes starting to get wet. (laughs) (laughs) um, We had so many people support our family and consciously go out of their way to help us. And um, I mean, our, our family and close friends, you know, especially, but we had our surrounding communities, I mean, they just banded together. And there were so many instances that as a community, they came together to show their support and just literally lift us up. And one of the very first experiences that we had with was this, we went back to church. um, And it was too early for me to go to church. It was, I think it was four months. It was Easter but I was so ready to get back and I wasn't physically ready, but we went anyway. And 
it's one of the most touching stories that I have. And I was in a wheelchair and the only place for us to sit was in the very first pew and um, put the wheelchair over to the side. Well, when everybody came up for communion and they went around the side of my pew, I was on the very edge and I felt felt this first hand on my shoulder and I looked up and it was, you know, so-and-so and I said, hi, thank you. And I was kind of emotional anyway about being there. So I had my head down, um, like just staring at my lap the whole time. And then I felt another hand and I looked up and said, thank you. And I felt another one and another one and another one. And I guarantee you every person who passed me put their hand on my shoulder and just gave it a squeeze. And at that point, I couldn't look up anymore. I mean, I it was just a stream of tears. And I remember seeing the dots falling on my pants. It was so heavy. And I just thought at that time, like, these are angels on earth. I'm like, God sent me angels on earth <laughs> because I'm having such a hard time right now. And he knew that I needed that one thing to like, just keep pushing me on to say, I can get through this. I know I can get through this. And he just knew that day. That's what I needed. You know, I, that, that's a special story and it's a very touching story. And uh, I would even go so far to say is that the, the hands on your shoulder were a culmination of the prayers that were said by those people throughout those four months previous. And, and uh, you know, we, we need angels in our lives. We, we need to be able yeah. to rely on the seen and the unseen. And I'm so grateful that you had that experience because it really does help in our, in our healing when we've got others that, uh, that feel for us. I want to give you two words, not to change the subject at all here, but I think, but I think that in light of your particular experience, these two words are very important. The first word is acceptance. The second word is forgiveness. Would you share with us what, you feel when you think of those two words. Yeah, that it's funny because I use those in my presentation um, that I said, there's two things that got me through my entire journey. And one, the first one was acceptance. Um, There was nothing that I could do to stop what happened to me. You know, that was someone else's choice that was then laid in my lap. So I have to accept that there's nothing that I can do about it. I had to accept where I was at at that point, you know, physically and emotionally and where my future was going to go that, Hey, I may never walk again. And, or if I do, it may not be great, but um, just the acceptance that I had to go through, it almost seemed like every few months, you know, as I would heal and I would end up taking two steps back just to try to get one step forward again, it was a constant repetitive um, motion for me. And then my my second word was definitely forgiveness because and it, it was around that same time, around four months after my car crash, that I I wasn't angry with the man who did this because I felt like he he made the ultimate sacrifice for his decision that night. And unfortunately, you know, that's the last decision he ever made. And it and he gave up his life for it. But I I felt like for me to maybe have some peace with all that rumbling that was going around in my heart that I I just, instead of just holding it back, I just needed to say the words, I forgive you. And 
it was a very big moment. I was home alone. It was in the afternoon. And I was kind of like in that meditative state where I wasn't quite awake, but I wasn't really asleep either. And I I felt this um just this feeling come over me. And it was the most peaceful feeling I'd ever felt in my entire life. And I remember smiling. And then all of a sudden, like I panicked, like everything stopped. And I was like, he's here with me. The man who hit me is here. And he's telling me he's sorry. And that's exactly what I felt like. And I just burst out bawling. I was bawling all alone in my house. And then all of a sudden I am telling him, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you lost your life. I don't know why you did. And I didn't. And I said, I forgive you. And it just, I mean, it's just whoosh, just kind of like went out of me. And after that, I just, I totally had peace with him. Like we were okay with each other at that point. So no, nobody else could frustrate that situation because I knew we were on the same page. Wow. Carrie, can you, you know, taking that just a little bit further there, is it possible to forgive someone without excusing their actions? 100%. People get frustrated with me when I say that I granted forgiveness. They don't understand it. Um, and, And that's what I tell them. I said, now, wait a minute. That doesn't mean that I excuse his actions. What he did was wrong and he, he paid the price for it. That's not the same as granting forgiveness. Forgiveness is for me. I mean, because it brings me peace. And that, that's, that's what I think a lot of people who have something tragic done to them where they've lost something or someone that they can't grant, grant forgiveness because they feel like that is excusing them. And that's, that's not the case at all. Powerful. That, that, that's very powerful. One of the, one of the, uh, the things that you talk about, and I think that sometimes when someone has gone through a, a horrendous experience, whatever that experience was, we, we refer to them as a survivor. But you've gone a step further and, and you consider yourself a thriver. What's the difference between a survivor and a thriver? I feel like being a survivor is just getting through the experience. Like you're just trying to live day to day at that point. And there was a point where I was just a survivor because that's all I could do was just try to get through the day so that I could get to the next one in hopes that things would be better. And after a certain point in time, it was more of a conscious decision of, hey, I'm not going to let this surviving thing own me anymore. Like, I don't want to just do as good as I can. I want to go beyond what I think I can do. And I want to thrive despite the situation that I am encompassing. And that that's why I, I felt like, even though like every day is hard for me, I mean, there's not a day that I go, man, that's an easy day, but I feel like I am doing things, not, not even just physical things. I think it's a lot of mental, like my perception that makes me feel like I am thriving despite what I'm going through. Yeah, that's that's such an important word for our listeners is that word thrive. You're exactly right. Survive is sometimes all we can do, right? But we can thrive. And it doesn't mean the pain's gone. 
Right. It doesn't mean, but there's so much we can do when we can change our mindset, change our heart and, and have that forgiveness and, and, and not be bitter. But how is this helping me to become? I, you've already shared a few things of this experience and how it's brought you closer to God. I think it's probably helped you in other ways as well in becoming a different woman than maybe you would have been or would be if you hadn't have had this experience. Yeah. That like you saying that makes me smile because um, what Mark had said earlier about the lessons that you guys have learned during your experience I've had so many people say, man, Carrie, do you wish this never would have happened? And, you know, on one hand, I'm like, well, one, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I would never want to go through this pain. This is awful. But having lived through it, I I can't take it away because I have grown into this person. I can't give her up. I just cannot because I feel so beautiful inside now. And I wouldn't have become this person without having to be forced, basically, you know, to go through these challenges and grow from them. And I like the way that I feel now. I mean, I feel so confident in who I am. And I don't know why I couldn't feel like this before, but it's just, it's almost like I hit my niche. Like I'm finally here. I don't know why, again, it took me so long or this experience to do it, but I'm here. So it's so interesting because we almost have to become broken. Yeah. To become more beautiful. Yeah. To have that light shine through those cracks of us that enhance us and help us to become that yeah. confident, beautiful me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. don't they say something like that when you break something and you glue it back together? It's actually stronger than it was in the first place. It is. You know, we, we, we actually have a course with Karen the Load called From Broken to Beautiful. And uh, we, we focus on the fact that uh, instead of just throwing something away that is broken, we mend it so that it's uh, even stronger afterwards. And that is exactly what's happened with you as well. You know, I, I go back to that, that word thrive, and I don't know why I'm thinking about it so much, but I, it's just such an important word. And I believe that there are many people out there that don't thrive and are missing that important component. I, I remember many years ago, uh, and, and it always used to make fun of me because one of the things I used to do is when I'd get the morning newspaper, I'd look at the obituaries first to see if I knew anybody that had passed away. And I remember there was an obituary of a little baby. And and it was a very sad experience. And it said that this baby passed away for failure to thrive. And and I don't know why out of the hundreds and probably thousands of obituaries I've read in my life there, that one is probably the most meaningful because it, it was important then for that uh, little baby, which ultimately cost that baby its life. But how many of us fail to thrive yeah. when we're placed with difficulties in our life, whatever that difficulty might be? And, you know, all of us, say it might not be as pronounced as a major accident like you had. But all of us sometimes have to be or faced with that decision. Am I going to thrive or am I just going to survive? So I, I think, think it's a choice. Yeah, it, it really exactly. is a choice, isn't it? It is. And it's a choice that doesn't mean it's easy. 
I think the survive sometimes to survive we're, we're accustomed to it. It feels natural. We're, right. we're used to that. It so that, like your comfort zone. It's in that comfort zone. And so when we choose to to thrive, we choose to do the hard, the un, the unfamiliar. It it's scary sometimes. Yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. And when people feel uncomfortable, they're like, whoa, whoa, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I'm comfortable, even though I'm miserable. This is where I'm comfortable at. And if I have to actually push through all those feelings, that that doesn't make me feel good. But I that's what I try to get through to people is like, if you just keep working through the problem instead of trying to go around it, when you come out, like all of that heaviness that you feel, it 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 goes away in in some way. It doesn't, it's almost like the thing between forgiveness and excusing. It's almost like if you if you try to thrive instead of just survive, it's almost like you're not paying homage to what you you're um, mourning or, you know, like if you have lost a person, it's almost like they're saying, well, if, if I actually start living again, it means I'm forgetting about them. But that's, I mean, that's not, I know that's probably what it feels like in their heart, but that's not what's happening. Right. And it's, it's, um, it is a grieving process. You know, whether we're we're grieving because our body's broken now, uh, grieving because this person died or someone we love dies or just grieving poor choices. Yes. Um, there is there is a process that we need to acknowledge that. There but, is. I mean, I truly felt like I went through the stages of grief when as if someone had passed away and um, I remember my priest actually said, he's like, well, someone did pass away, Carrie, you, your old self is not here anymore. And it kind of hit me. And I thought, you're right. It almost gave me permission to go ahead and just under, well, one, understand what I was going through, but then say, Carrie, just let yourself go through all these stages so that you can get to that last stage. And hopefully, you know, <laughs> this heaviness will leave you at some point. If, if we don't uh, experience that rebirth a few times in our lives, we've missed some great opportunities. I agree. So let me just ask you this, because our listeners and there's others out there wondering, will that heaviness leave if they go through it? Did it, did it leave for you? It was, um, it, it was almost, a, it was at a year. It, it, but just like they say with the regular grieving process of a um, loved one who's been lost at a year, things started to lessen and I knew 100% I'm like, I'm going to make it like this still hurts, but I'm going to make it. And it's not that, you know, the pain of this experience ever leaves, but I could handle it at that point. I knew what it was. I could grieve for it. I could grieve through it, but I knew that I could handle it. So, So Carrie, a few days ago, you had something pretty exciting happen. And uh, we, we want to share with our listeners what that is. I saw, I saw a video of you opening a box. And oh, uh, yes. <laughs> let, let's talk about that. Uh, they're facing life head on is the, uh, is the title of your book. Now that had to be a little bit of a difficult uh, title for your book yes. there because it probably, I mean, it's, it's obviously a play on, on what happened with regards to the accident there. It but is, um, the book. 
Yeah, it's um, actually a friend of mine suggested that title because um, I, I had a different title and also a play on words. I was going to call it The Broken Road and something just wasn't sitting well with me with that. I'm like, something's just missing. And she uh, recommended it was it was something along the lines of facing life head on. And I sat there and I thought, that's that's it. I'm like, that's exactly what my family and I did during this entire journey was we chose to face life head on instead of letting it just like hit us in the face. And um, writing that book, I only wrote about the first year of my recovery because honestly, I was so exhausted emotionally. After that, I just couldn't get anything else out. I'm like, if I don't publish this now, I will never publish it because it took me 10 years just to write that. <laughs> it was so difficult, but it, it's a very emotional book. It's a short read, 130 pages. But I am telling you from the first paragraph of the first chapter, man, I just, I just go right at it. I mean, there's, there is nothing held back in it. I decided to just puke it out and be vulnerable and tell people what it's really like on the other side. Yeah. So, so we'll put this in our, in our notes as well there, but the book uh, again is called facing life head on and they can purchase it through Amazon. I believe, is that right? Yeah, pretty much anywhere. I know it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you want a signed copy, you can get it from my website. But you know, if you want it really quick in those two days, just order from Amazon. It'll get you right there. Awesome, awesome. So be, before we leave our conversation, and and I think that we could probably go on for another hour because I'm I'm we're really enjoying well, we this uh, dialogue <laughs> uh, here. But I, we always give our our guests the last word. There And, you know, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about uh, emotional resilience, physical resilience, spiritual resilience. We've talked about thriving versus just surviving. We, we've talked about a lot. Uh, forgiveness. Uh, what are we missing? Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners as to your story and what you've learned that uh, might be helpful for those that are dealing with their own internal struggles? Yeah, I feel that if... If you will use the support, the positive support system around you, and if you make a daily choice to have a positive attitude, I don't care what you're going through. It doesn't have to be anything remotely close to what I'm going through. I promise that if you do those two things, you will get through any challenge in your life, but you you have to choose to use them both. Excellent. Excellent. Any thoughts on that? A lot of thoughts going through my mind. Um, I love that admonition of choosing that it's a choice um, to go through it. Yeah. And there's and I and I'm going to put you on another on the spot here again. We talked a little bit about trail angels, and that being the title of our show. Is there a trail angel? I mean, you've shared that experience of the angels when you went back to church. But is there a specific, another specific experience or trail angel in your life that you could share with us the difference they made? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have another significant one is um, our kids were big into 4-H and, and showing their animals at our local fair. And our I call them our fair family. And they did something similar that very first year that our kids showed their animals, uh, I guess, what was it, seven months after our car crash, that they came together and they 
all purchased my daughter's grand champion hog. I say it sounds so funny to say, but they, they ran the price up so high that it set a record and um, they let us use it, you know, for her for college, but then also for my medical expenses. And when I realized what was happening, I remember I looked to the right at, at the bleachers just full of people And I couldn't see a single face because my, I mean, tears had just blurred my vision. And I remember looking at my husband and I was basically looking at him for confirmation of what I thought what was happening. His eyes were brimming with tears and he just kind of shook his head. Yes. And I thought, oh my God, I'm like, this, this is happening again. I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening again to our family. Like we are so blessed with the most amazing people around us. And I, my pay it forward is like, it is so strong because I thought everybody needs to feel that. And I need to make sure that everything that was given to us, I need to be able to pass on to someone else. That's beautiful. We live in this world that we hear so much of the negative, the hatred, the the messy stuff, but there is so much good. There There is is so so much much love. Again, if you choose to see it. If you choose to see it. So thank you for sharing. And thank you because I know you're going to be, that you're a trail angel for others because of your willingness to be vulnerable, your willingness to share your story and to go out and to help others recognize that they can have joy. They can thrive in a life that may be full of pain, but they still can thrive. Yeah. Carrie, thank you for joining us today on on Trail Angels, powered by Karen the Load. We appreciate uh, your wisdom. We appreciate you sharing some very personal stories. And that can sometimes be very difficult. But as a trail angel yourself, uh, you have uh, shown that that there's more than just surviving. Uh, And and that's what we're going to uh, title our show today is uh, Thriving Versus Surviving. And I think that's very important as we've discussed so many different uh, important aspects to healing. Each of us have a story to share. Uh, Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences that our guests share inspire us, as well as to help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen. Love it.